bless you. The Lord's been good to us, amen. We give Him praise today. Take your Bible, please. Turn to the book of John, chapter number 16. The book of John, chapter 16. Appreciate that song. Uh, that will crank your engine right there, no doubt about it. I appreciate that music. And Pastor, thank you again for your invitation. I consider you a dear friend, and I appreciate your faithfulness and appreciate the faithfulness represented in this room today, asking the Lord to speak to us today. In John chapter 16, I'm preaching on verses 16 through 33, but I'm just going to read verse 33 to get our title. It's the Lord Jesus speaking to his disciples. And he says, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Notice the phrase, be of good cheer. I want to preach to you on that subject today. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your word that speaks to our hearts. And I pray as we come around your word today, may every word that's spoken and in the spirit in which it's given be well-pleasing to you. Forgive my sin, help me to be clean before you. And may you use me today. Encourage your people in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would study through this book, you will find that the Lord Jesus has been pouring his heart out to these men that are with him in that room that night. He knows in just a little while he'll be taken from them and hung on an old rugged cross to die for the sin of the world. In order to prepare them for what was in their near future, he told them how the world would hate them and would persecute them. He told them that it would be so severe that they would put them out of the synagogue and even kill them thinking they were doing God's service. He was telling them these things that they would not be offended. You'll find that word in verse 1, which means that they don't stumble when it happens or they don't get tripped up when these things take place. And even though the Lord gave them wonderful promises and told them that it was advantageous that He go away from them, the news of His soon departure from them and their coming persecution filled their heart with sorrow. We find this in verse 6. But then when you move into the verses in our text, beginning in verse 16, we see the Lord is continuing to speak to these men, giving them instructions and trying to encourage their troubled hearts. And at the end of his message, he made a statement that drew my attention in. It's the statement in verse 33 where he said, Be of good cheer. This phrase means have courage or be of good comfort. Now let's put ourselves there at this time after hearing how our Lord was getting ready to leave us and the world was going to hate us, persecute us, and even kill us. And even in the face of this troubling news, our Lord looks at us in that room and He says, be of good cheer. He says, have courage, be comforted. Now just by means of introduction, do you mean to tell me that the Lord has made it possible for His children to have comfort and, and, and courage in the midst of being hated? in the midst of being persecuted, and even in the midst of being killed for our connection with Him, I say yes a thousand times yes. Even in the midst of this horrifying news, these men did not have to go through life afraid. They didn't have to go through life sorrowful. Rather, they could go through life, even persecution and martyrdom, with courage and comfort in their heart. But the question is how? I submit to you, the how is by focusing on what he said to them, beginning in verse number 16. Child of God, listen to the following truths from the mouth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And be of good cheer. Take courage and comfort in what the Lord is saying in these closing verses. 
Number one, we see be of good cheer because, first of all, in a little while, we will see Jesus. You'll see this in verse 16. Notice the language. He said, a little while and ye shall not see me. And again, a little while and ye shall see me because I go to the Father. Then said some of, of his disciples among themselves, What is this that he saith unto us, A little while, and ye shall not see me. And again, a little while, and ye shall see me, and because I go to the Father. They said, Therefore, What is this that he saith? A little while. We cannot tell what, what, what he said. Now, Jesus knew that they were desirous to ask him, and said unto them, Do ye inquire among yourselves of that I said? A little while, and ye shall not see me. And again, a little while, and ye shall see me. Verily, verily, I say unto you, That ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice. Ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. A woman, when she's in travail, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish for joy that a man is born into the world. And ye now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. Now this is powerful verses here. Keep in mind what he's saying to them. He's saying, he's just told them, I'm getting ready to leave you. And you're going to be persecuted and even, and, and even killed for your connection with me. But he tells them here that in a little while they're not going to see him. But then a little while after that they will see him. You study these words see. And the first see here in verse number 16 where he says in a little while you're not going to see me. You know what that word see means? It means to be a spectator. It means that he's telling them that in just a little while, you're not going to see me like you're used to seeing me. Like you've watched me these years. You're not going to be able to, to look at me as a spectator watching me walk among you. But you know what the second C means? When you, when, when you study, it means to look at something remarkable with eyes wide open. In other words, he's saying in a little while, you're not going to see me like you're used to seeing me, but just a little while after that, you're going to see me like you've never seen me before. The disciples didn't understand what the Lord was saying to them. So he began to explain to them what he meant. He said to them, he said, that you are going to weep and lament. But the world would rejoice. No doubt this is in reference to the soon crucifixion and death. But then he told his disciples that their sorrow would be turned into joy. Then he likened it to a woman giving birth to a baby. I'll come back to that. And he, he told these men that they were going to experience anguish and sorrow. But this anguish and sorrow would soon turn into joy and their heart that would rejoice. And this was going to happen because he said, quote, in verse 22, I will see you again. There's some debate as to whether the Lord was referring here to His resurrection or His second coming. I say amen. Because both of them are true. And both of these truths being real, so that being the case, we can rejoice. We can be of good cheer no matter what life throws at us. No matter how bad life may be. Even if it's martyrdom. Even if it's persecution. We can be in, uh, of good cheer because we are going to see the Lord in a remarkable way. With our eyes wide open. This truth can help us be of good cheer in the midst of sorrow. In the midst of trouble. In the midst of persecution. In the midst of death. It may look bleak. It may get tough, but let us be of good cheer, for in a little while we will see Jesus. 
He says here that when a child is born, I told you I was coming back to it. He's explaining to them what he means that sorrow and anguish is in your near future, but then it's going to be turned into joy. And he, he gives an illustration of a mother giving birth to a baby. The mother sorrows over the travail of birth. There's pain, there's anguish, there's hurt. But he said when the newborn baby is born, she forgets her pain. And she rejoices in the baby that she now holds. So we, while separated from Jesus, he's telling us that we can expect sorrow. We can expect trouble. But one day when he puts his loving arms around us, when he welcomes us home, we will forget all the toils of the road. And we will rejoice that we'll be forever at home with him. The Bible teaches us in Psalm 30 verse 5, weeping may endure for the night, but joy cometh in the morning. And Revelation 22, 3 and 4 says it this way, and there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. And they shall see His face, and His name shall be in their foreheads. Number one, be of good cheer, even in sorrow and trouble and persecution, even in the face of death. Be of good cheer, because in a little while we will see Jesus. Number two, be of good cheer because we can pray and know the Heavenly Father is listening to us. We find this in verses 23 and 24. Notice that he says, And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. In these verses, the Lord reminded them again that even though he was going to be gone away from them, because of what he's doing, they still don't understand what's going on. You understand, but they will. That because he's leaving them, they would be able to pray directly to the Heavenly Father in his name. And the Father would grant their request. This is another truth that, trouble, that, 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 that the troubles of this world cannot take away from us. It should cause our hearts to be of good cheer because we can talk to God. And He hears our prayers in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. One commentator said it this way, See, as the God of Israel He had been known at this time. But now believers were to approach Him in the conscious relationship of children addressing their Father. Because the Lord Jesus Christ left them and died and was buried and rose again, we have direct access to the Father through His precious name. Harry Ironside said it this way. He said, you may have heard the story of that poor boy who was dying on the battlefield after one of the great conflicts in the war between the states. He said, another soldier nearby crawled to him and found this poor boy in a dreadful condition. He was dying did everything he could to help him. They talked together on the battlefield, and the other one said, now if I get out alive, is there anything I can do for you? He said that to the one who was dying in front of him. Well, the dying soldier said, maybe I can do something for you. He said, my father's wealthy, and if you get through this conflict alive and you're ever in need, take this little card, and he wrote a few words upon it, and he said, go see my dad, and I know he'll help you out if you need it. The soldier didn't think he would ever use the card. The time came when he was in dire need and he remembered the conversation he had with that dying boy on the battlefield. 
So he went and found this wealthy man. And through the underlings and secretaries, he sent his own card in but got no response. But then he thought of the other card, the card that that man that he's trying to see, it was his son who wrote it. And he got it out and he sent it back. And it wasn't long after that that this man came out. And on the back of that card, it, 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 it was written these words. It said, Father, if you can ever do anything for my friend who helped me when I was dying, please do so. And it was signed, Charlie. And in a moment, out came the big businessman, and he said, and I quote, Oh, why didn't you send that in before? I will do anything that I can for you for Charlie's sake. This is what Jesus is teaching His children. He's saying, I know you don't understand. I know you don't get it that I'm leaving. But be of good cheer. Because I'll see you again. And be of good cheer. Because you can pray to the Father. Their hearts were troubled. Their Lord was leaving them. The world would hate them. The world would persecute and kill them. But because of what the Lord was going to do, they would be able to approach the Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus Christ and have the Father respond to their request. This truth is enough to help our hearts be of good cheer even in the midst of trouble, friends. Even in the midst of persecution and even in the face of death. Be of good cheer because you can have the listening ear of the Heavenly Father. You can approach Him directly. Be of good cheer because in a little while we'll see Jesus like we've never seen Him before. Be of good cheer because we can pray to the Father directly and know He's listening. Be of good cheer, number three, because the Father loves us Himself. Look at verse 26. He says, At that day ye shall ask in my name, and I say unto you that I will pray the Father. I, I, I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you. Wait a minute. I thought Jesus is the mediator. He is the mediator. He's mediating for me right now. He's interceding for me right now. But So, so th this is not a contradiction. He's teaching them something. He's saying, I'm not going to tell you that I'm going to pray for you. Look at verse 27. For the Father Himself loveth you. Because you've loved me. And I believe that I came out from God. He said, I came forth from the Father. I'm coming into the world again. And I leave the world and go to the Father. What's he teaching here? Precious are these words. He's teaching his disciples who have just been told this troubling, unsettling news. He tells them that he does not tell them that he will pray the Father for them. But they can pray directly to Him because the Father's not against them. The Father loves them because they love Him. You know what the word loves means here where it says the Father Himself loveth you? You know what that word loveth means? It means He's a friend to you. Look it up. It means He's fond of you. It means He has affection for you. It means He welcomes you. And it means He's personally attached to you. What a, what, what, what a word. This is a great truth here. Consider what Harry Ironside said again. Listen to this. He said, suppose here that a family with a loving father, he had a wayward son and a sweet little daughter. 
Suppose the son went to his sister instead of going to his dad and he said, I would just call her Mary. Mary, I wish you'd go to dad and ask for money for a new suit of clothes for me. What would it imply that the boy thought about his dad if he went to his sister instead of going directly to his dad? You know what it would imply? It would imply that he had no confidence that his daddy loved him. He would think that his daddy had to have his arm twisted by somebody he did love. You understand? This is what Jesus is teaching. He's teaching here, the Lord does not promise to petition the Father on our behalf because that might suggest distance between us and the Father. That might suggest coldness between us and the Father. They must never get the idea that the Heavenly Father somehow had to be persuaded to answer their prayers. No, He loves them. He loves you. He's eager to hear from us. What the Lord is teaching here is that the Father loves us so much, listen closely, don't misinterpret what I'm saying, that you don't have to have Jesus praying for you to Him. Now thank God the Lord intercedes for us. Don't misinterpret what I'm saying. That's not false doctrine, what I just said, because we know He's interceding, but He's saying this, because of me, you don't have to have me begging the Father for you. You can go directly to the Father yourself because He loves you. You know what I'm glad of? I'm glad God loves me. And guess what? He loves you too. And guess what? He loves those outside these walls. Whoever gave us the impression that God is sitting up in heaven with a lightning bolt just wanting to strike people down, that's not God. God loves. The point here is because of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, sinful men can have the heavenly Father's wrath turned into affection, turned into fondness, turned into friendliness, and turned into attachment. This is enough to be of good cheer, even when faced with hatred, even when faced with persecution, and even if we have to face death itself. God the Father loves those in this way who love the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in Him. Question, do you love Jesus? By the way, we love Him, why? Because He first loved us, right? You love Jesus, I love Jesus. You know what that means? His Father loves you. You really want to get my affection, get my love, love my kids. You hate my children, we got problems. You know what I'm saying? And Jesus said, because you love me, the Father loves you. Wow. Wow. Finally, he gives them something else. Really, every one of these individually is enough to be of good cheer, right? Be of good cheer no matter how bad life may get because we're getting ready to see him one of these days. Be of good cheer because we can pray directly to the Father ourselves and know He listens. We can be of good cheer. We can do that because He loves us. He didn't have to have His arm twisted. He loves us. Then we can be of good cheer because He said He's overcome the world. In other words, we're on the winning side. He says this in verse 33. These things I've spoken to you that in me you might have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. He told them that in Him they could have peace. Notice this. 
that in me you might have peace. He didn't say you will. He said you can, though. He is peace. Peace is not something. Peace is someone. Peace is the Lord Jesus himself. And he says, in me you might have. You can have peace. He told them that in the world they would have tribulation. But they could be of good cheer if they focus on what he says. You know all we've got is what he says. And what he told them is be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. The word overcome means I've subdued it. I've conquered it. I've prevailed over it. I've gotten the victory. That's what it means. And these words the Lord is sharing with these men that the victory's already been won. They're not on the losing side. They're on the winning side. The world in which his people would be so mistreated, so hated, so abused, and even killed is the very world that's been defeated by the one they truly hate and the one they did kill, which is the Lord Jesus himself. It's enough to be of good cheer in the face of hatred, persecution, and death. He's already conquered this old world. I'm on the winning side. How can you you preach that right there and not think of old Curtis Hudson singing, I'm on the winning side. I'm on the winning side. And folks, sometimes we say that, but we live as if we don't believe it. And what I'm saying to you is these men in that room that night with the Lord Jesus Christ, they have just been told that their world is about to change. They're used to him being right there with them. And he gets up and he tells them, I'm getting ready to leave. You don't understand this. And I'm even going to tell you it's going to get worse. This world that you live in is going to hate you. Put yourself in that room with him that night. This world is going to persecute you and and they're going to kill you thinking they're doing God's service. But in the midst of your sorrowful heart, he stands up and he tells them, be of good cheer. Wow. Really? And he really does say really because he says, I've got some words for you. I've got some promises. In a little while, you're going to see me like you've never seen me before. You can go directly to the Father yourself and pray and and know He's listening to you because He loves you Himself. And you, you, at least I'm not going to tell you, I'm going to go pray for you because He loves you. And oh, by the way, this world that's going to hate you and persecute you and even kill you and the one that's kind of going to take me away from you, the world, so to speak, I've already gotten the victory. So because of this, we don't have to go through life sorrowful. Woe is me. Ah, isn't it just terrible today? Where'd the good old days go? Revival's not even possible today. I mean, I just wish Jesus come on back and take me home. Now, I'll be honest with you, I, I hope he comes back before I get done preaching. Amen to that. But God doesn't want us to go through life in drudgery. God wants us to go through life being of good cheer. 
because of these things. And that's just that. That's just those verses. That's not, that's not an exhaustive list, list of why we should be of good cheer. That's just in verses 16 to 33 of John, of, of John here. But those are four things to hold on to and be of good cheer because he's spoken. Father, would you take this and use it? Thank you for your word that you challenge us with, that you encourage us with. And help us in this world of trouble and trial and tribulation and heartache and pain and suffering and even death. Help us to focus on your words. In a little while, we're going to see you. We can pray and know the Father's listening. That the Father loves us. And that you've overcome the world and we're on the winning side. We give you praise today. Bless the preachers to come. I ask.